welcome to thrive. We're excited you're here. You know, our motto is don't just survive, thrive. thrive. And the way we do it is we do it, grow, develop, succeed. We're growing a kingdom. See, that's what it's about. It's not about growing a church. God will grow a church if we grow a kingdom. Okay? See, I believe the reason why Thrive is growing is because we are growing a kingdom. You know, if, if you want to and you feel like there's another congregation you need to sit in, that's fine. We're not in competition with a church. Okay? Our competition is the world. See, for God so loved the people of the world, right? He gave his son. And, and so what we need to do is quit competing with other households and start praying for them and start really building a kingdom. And when we build a kingdom, God will build the church. And then what we do as we're growing, we develop. And what we're developing is our character. When I was in a military academy, the motto there it was Southern California Military Academy owned by John Brown's University. And, it was, and our motto was character before career. Before you really start going after your career, you should be developing your character. Because if you're not developing your character, once you get into your career, your character can rip you out of your career. But if you have a great character as you're going in, then what will happen is you'll start growing and developing in your career. Then succeed. The way we succeed is we do the call that God has called us to in our local church and in our community. That's what it is. That's what we're about. And so when people say, well, what's Thrive about? Grow, develop, succeed. Growing a kingdom, developing character, and succeeding by doing the call of God on our lives. I mean, it's a very easy call, but, but that was really the mandate of Christ Jesus for the church to go do. And every church should be going under some type of mandate that Christ has given. I mean, we don't have to do it all the same way. You know, years ago, I remember, like, for 14 years straight in the pastoral ministry, if I didn't wear a suit and tie, I was a heathen. Now, it's not that I don't like suit and ties. I think they have a, a, a time and a place for them, and I think they look good. It's not, that's not the case. But I feel so much more comfortable in what I'm wearing now. And I don't think that I'm disrespecting God in any way, shape, or form because my respect to God comes from my heart and not from my clothes. I don't care if you have piercings, tattoos, or, or what. I don't care about any of that stuff. I, what I want to know is where's your heart at? Amen. See, I've been in churches that run around, that do backflips and somersaults, and their hearts weren't right. And then I've been in church, churches where they had shorts and, and bathing suits, and they're all from the beach, and they're really cool dudes, but they were so on fire for God. They had something that a lot of people didn't have. And that, actually, that was back in the day with Calvary Chapel when Chuck Smith and those guys started Maranatha, and, and I mean, it was amazing. And then John Wimber was with him, and, and, and he had the Spirit of God really moving in his uh, church, and he ended up starting what was called the Vineyard. And it was just really a, a great time when people were just on fire for God, not about what they were dressed like, but about where their hearts were. And see, my goal as a pastor is to try to get us all to the same place to where our hearts are focused on God and not focused on pointing other people's problems out and what we think is better for them. Why don't we get with God and find out what's better for us? And when we find out what's better for us, we start walking right. And just by how we present ourselves and carry ourselves, people want to be just like you. The more we're like Christ, the more people will want to be just like us. Now, last week, I, we had a guest speaker here, and, 
Uh, some people thought he was just a little bit wild. He is wild. He is. And I love to have fun with Marty Blackwelder. He is an amazing, amazing man. <laughs> Truly is. I've been around people like Marty Blackwelder who was just weird. And then I've been around Marty Blackwelder who was just on fire for God. And it was just how he, how he expressed his love towards God. But see, until you get to know someone, a lot of times you're not going to know whether it's real or memorex, whether it's true or not true. Some of you people don't know what memorex is. <laughs> Tapes are gone. <laughs> They're a thing of the past. But, but, you know, the thing of it is, is there's things that are real and things that appear to be real but that are not real. And I've been in both, been involved in both. I know we're real. How do you know we're real? Well, I know we're real because... I see the reports of people getting born again. I talk to people who we've laid hands on, whether people here in the church, people we prayed for and stuff like that, who are being healed. And they're not being healed by a doctor. They're being healed by the physician. Not by a church member, but the power of God in that church member who is doing what the Bible says to do and pray for that person with faith, trusting and believing that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was not the same, and he could not do the same, then you know what? God is not God. In order for him to be the same, he's got to be able to do the same. And so many people have taken scripture and turned it around. Well, that's not for today, and that's not this. Show me. I'm, I'm from Missouri. I'm really not. I'm from California. But the thing of it is, is, I've read the Bible in context multiple times. And every time I come to that place where they say it's not for today and these things have been done away with, I go back to he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I go back to, to in, in the New Testament where he says, these works that I do, you're going to do greater works? Who was he talking to? People. Believers are going to do greater works. You know where it says that these things will pass away and it talks about tongues and knowledge and prophecy? Well, let me ask you a question. When did knowledge pass away? So if tongues and prophecy and knowledge are all in the same spot, why would we think any of the other two passed away? Because it's not until we come into completeness, into the unity of the faith, when Christ Jesus returns, that we will have everything in its fullness. But just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean that you're more born again or more spiritual than someone who doesn't. We're just as saved. Okay? What are you trying to say? Well, this is what I'm trying to say. Just because you have one understanding of what you think the Scripture says and someone has another understanding, as long as it doesn't have anything to do with who Jesus is and the price that Jesus paid, well, it'll all work itself out if you're chasing Jesus. I'm so sick of Pentecostals and Baptists and Methodists and Lutherans and non-denominationals and fighting each other for stupid stuff when what we need to be doing is defending the cross. The church is not defending the cross. We're defending our building. We're defending our organization. My organization is the church as a whole. That's my organization. To a Baptist, I'm a Baptist. To a Pentecostal, I'm a Pentecostal. To a Lutheran, I'm a Lutheran. Why? Because I'm a believer. 
And I'm not going to try to go someplace and offend somebody if they don't agree with what I have to say. I'm going to find out and identify where they are. I'm going to get some common ground, and I'm going to talk with them on common ground. Pastor, what does this have to do with your message? Everything. It does. See, you, I bet you're ready to say, nothing, it's just for free, because I usually say that. No, this actually has a lot to do with what we're talking about today. See, today, we're going to answer some common questions. This is part two of our series of common questions. And what we're going to talk about today is sharing of your faith. How do I share my faith? You know, I hear people all the time over the years say, you know, uh, you know I give and I do this and I do, but, but, you know, sharing the faith. You know, I mean, they go to Walmart and they're scared to share the faith. They're hanging out with their buddy from high school that they hadn't seen in 20 years and they're scared to share their faith. So I want to talk about that and I want to get into that because this is something that people need to do because Jesus said this and it was during the Roman rule um, and, and, and the thing of it is, is when Jesus said this during the Roman rule, this could have cost you your life. See, sharing your faith in the United States at this point is not going to cost you your life. But this is a church mandate, not a suggestion. In Mark chapter 16, in verse 15, in the New Century Version, it says this, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. See, this is... Church, Thrive, is just not a church for Christians. It's a church for those who are seeking a Savior. That's what the church is about. The church is about going and seeking the Savior. That's our first mandate, grow. We're growing a kingdom. That's what we're about here at Thrive. See, you know, what's so awesome is if you lose something of value, like your keys, your wallet, your kids, you go looking for them, right? You don't go, oh, well, you know, I've got three kids, one of them didn't show up, i got two-thirds, I'm doing all right, and go on. I mean, that'd be stupid. Well, where's the last time you saw uh, Alexa? Oh, I don't know, I think it was Mount Rushmore. <laughs> and we're in Belize, you know, I mean, it's crazy. But, you know, the thing of it is, is we have to go seek what we value. And it bothers us if we value something and it's not there. So what happens is we start going looking for it. You know, God does this. He'll leave the 99 to go after the one. Now, some people say, well, what about those people who leave the church building? They might not be lost. What? Yeah, they might be going to another church building. So I don't leave this congregation and say, hey, guys, I'll be back. I'm going to go down the road to Lighthouse where two people decided they're going to go, and, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take them back over to Thrive. I mean, how stupid can we be and still breathe? What we need to do is, number one, when we see somebody not here, don't think it's my job to go chase them. All of us, it's our position, our job, we need to get on the phone. Hey, man, I've been missing you. Where have you been at? Why? We need to have a relationship with each other. And, you know, and if they say, hey, look, you know, I really feel God's telling me to go to Door of Hope, wherever. Oh, praise the Lord. Pray for them. Bless them. Let them go wherever they're supposed to go. 
What I would like is if somebody feels that God's calling them to go, is I'd like them to come tell me, and then I would like to have a celebration for them to leave. Instead of saying, oh, man, are you sure you're supposed to do that? You know, I mean, I'd pray about this. You know, God didn't tell me. Instead of going through all that stuff and putting a bunch of guilt and, and pressure on you, what I'd rather do is say, praise the Lord, man. And I want you to know this. This door is always open if God ever calls you back. We're not going to talk about you. We're not going to throw you under the bus. What we're going to do is we are going to pray for you. We're going to believe God's going to do some great things in you. And you know what? You know what we're doing then? We're going to sow you. We're sowing people into another church, and we're going to reap some reward off that. Because God's not mocked whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. That's in the Bible. Amen? Okay. See, God values people. And it just so happens he values them so much, he sends out a, church, a search party. Guess what? We're the search party. See, God's not getting off his throne going, you know what, I'm going, I got, I got you know, hey, Jesus, I'll be right back. I got to go talk to Kyle. No, you know what God does? God says, hey, Matthew. And he says something about Kyle. And then Kyle's on, on Matthew's heart. And so Matthew starts praying. And Matthew gets a hold of Kyle not to say, hey, man, where you been? Hey, buddy, I've been missing you. I love you, man. I've been praying for you. See, that's what we need to do as a church. See, because if we start doing that, guess what will happen? People will start coming around. 2 Corinthians 5.20 in the New Living Translation, it says, We are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. In other words, if you're a believer, one of the main reasons, if not the only reason, you're still on planet Earth is to go out after people. That's it right there. It just said that. I mean, that's, that's what he said, right? Colossians 4, 5, and 6, it says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. He didn't say be right. He said be wise. You know how many people want to be right? Everybody fights for their right to be right. I don't want to be right. I want to know the truth. There are so many people who prove themselves right in an argument, but the truth is not in them. And I mean, I, you could go person after person after person who's just fighting for the right to be right. I don't, I don't care about that. I want to be wise. I want to have the wisdom of the Lord. Then he goes on to say, let your conversation be always full of grace. That's God's ability. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, he said, when, you're, when you share your faith, make it taste good. Because when you share your faith and it tastes good, then people are attracted to it. That's salt, it's seasoned, it tastes good. So the question is, how do you share your faith? That's a good question. In 1 Peter 3.15, he says, always be prepared. What? Always be prepared. You need to be prepared. You need to be able to what? To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. People want to know why you go to church. People want to know why you serve. People want to know why you get so involved. People want to know why you pray. People want to know why you give money. People want to know. So they need an answer. You have to be able to give them an answer. Well, you know, you know I just got to. No, you have to be able to share from your heart. 
See, Jesus is the best example of that. Instead of sharing somebody else's example and somebody else's truth, take a look at Jesus and what Jesus will do because he'll open up your truth and your example and your answer that you can give them. See, I can always say, well, you know, uh, brother such and such, you know, this is what happened to him. And there's nothing personal there. But if I tell you how God touched my life and I share with you why I'm so passionate about him and then all of a sudden you're like, why? Because it was personal. It was with me. When you're sharing somebody else's, it's a third-party you know, deal, and, and people just don't get attached to that. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to connect. Connect with people. See, people won't receive correction unless they have a connection. I used to say it this way with parents. Rules without relationship create rebellion. You have to have relationship. It's too hot in here. Just telling you that right off the bat. Somebody's got to turn that, turn that down. Because I'm going to start taking my clothes off, and you're not going to like it. You know, I'm just saying. See, Jesus never compromised the truth. Maybe it wasn't probably as hot as I am right now. Anyway, I'm just. But at the same time, sinners were attracted to him. See, he didn't say, you dirty sinner, get out of your sin. They knew that he didn't approve of their action, but he still loved them unconditionally. But the church doesn't do that as a whole. If we don't approve somebody, we want to throw them under the bus. We want to talk bad about them. We want to talk bad about their mama, how they were raised, and everything. I mean, that's kind of what we do. But the thing of it is, is if we take that out and we start acting like Jesus, then these people are going to want to come around us and how else are they going to be able to receive Christ if they're not around people who have Christ? Or, let me put it this way, not only people who have Christ, people who act like Christ. See, you can have Christ and act like the devil. And that's why most people probably don't like church. <clears throat> Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost? That's the reason he came. Matter of fact, another scripture says he came to give life and life more abundantly. So this is what he came for. This is his reason. So before anybody would even listen to Jesus, they had to know about Jesus. How do you know that? Well, they had to know who he is. It's like Zacchaeus. When he went up the tree, he had to know who he, who he was. The woman with the issue of blood, she, she didn't want to come to listen to Jesus. She came to see if the story she heard was true about him. So she went to touch the hem of his garment. So she didn't go there to listen to what he had to say. She went there to see what he had to do. So before we will listen to Jesus, we have to know who he is or what he'll do. And if you understand that, now you're going to listen to him. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's what they had to see. Number two, after you connect with them, share your story with people. Everyone has a story. You don't need to go around telling people they're wrong. Oh, you don't do it that way, you do it this way. Oh, you know, blah, blah. You don't need to go through that. Just tell your story. Give them your experience and give it to them out of love because the Bible says what? Love never fails. 
Now, this is a real simple message, but, you know, it's really the simplicity of the gospel that changes lives. Amen? Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light, whose light? Your light, shine before others, that they may see whose? Your good deeds, and glorify what? Your Father in heaven. So when your life is attractive, then your God will be attractive to those who are around you. But if your life is not attractive, if your faith is full of gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, gloom, if it's full of that, nobody's going to want to know that God. But it's full of life and passion no matter what's going on, believing that God is going to take you through something instead of keeping you camped out in something. When you show them the hope of Jesus, the hope of glory in you, people want to be attached to that God. They want to be attached to that person. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 in the New Living Translation, it says, you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Okay, I love this scripture. Did you notice it said you'll be witnesses? In a court of law, there's a judge, there's a prosecutor, there's a defendant, and there's a witness. So you were not called to be a judge. He didn't call you to be a prosecutor. He, called you, he didn't call you to be the defendant. He called you to be a witness. In other words, he called you to tell your story. He didn't call you to point things out in other people's lives. He called you to be a witness. Tell your story. I'll tell you what, if, if Christians actually got this, people would actually get saved. See, when you tell your story, you don't have to tell your whole life story. Just, just tell something that you can say in a couple minutes. Because if you can't say it in a very short period of time, you'll lose them. That's why most preachers don't like to hand microphones to people. Because people don't know how to shut up. It's the truth. Because we keep rambling. And people have an attention span of a peanut. TV shows used to go for seven minutes, then had a two-minute commercial. Now I think they go for two minutes and have a seven-minute commercial. That might not be true, but it seems like it. Because commercials have gotten longer, and it, it's like they're, they're more frequent. So attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So what we need to do is we need to, we need to shorten it up. See, I wasn't raised in church. My life was totally out of control. I was, a, I was a horrible husband, a horrible father, a horrible parent. I wasn't any good at all. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. And then uh, this is before we had Josh, and you know, this was with Brittany and Alexa. And then Leah decided to leave me, and I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. Did I want to keep on doing the horrible things I was doing and go down that path, or did I want to go after my wife and my kids? And so I remembered a friend of mine was going to a church. I went to this church. I had an experience with God, and my life totally changed. I became the person who I am today because of that experience, because Jesus came into my life and totally changed me. Guess what? I just told you my life story, and it only took less than two minutes. See, that's what people want to know. People want to know how you were changed, not how Paul the Apostle was changed. Amen? So the third thing, number three, invite them to a place where they can experience God. See, that's what we try to do in our church services. In our church services, we try to create an atmosphere to where you can experience God. But you know why most people can't experience God in, a, in church services? 
because they're expecting God to show up the same way he has in another church service that they have identified with that they like. It's a personal preference. I can have God show up in a Baptist church, a Methodist church, a Lutheran church, a Pentecostal church, a whatever, a Catholic church. I can have God show up in my car when I'm driving down the street if I'm looking for him. So the problem is, is we're not looking for God. We're looking to please our flesh. Sad but true. See, Thrive is not the only church in Greenville where you can have an experience with God. It's just one of them. That's all we are. We just try to set the tone. I'm going to give you some scripture here in uh, the Message Bible in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. It says, you'll remember, friends, that when I, was, when I first came, this is the Apostle Paul talking, when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, that means his secret plan, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. What? Jesus and what? Who he is. Because before you will hear his message, you have to know who he is. So first, I gave you Jesus, who he is. And then, what? Jesus and what he did. See, you won't hear the message of what he did until you know who he is. Okay. Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. What? The Apostle Paul? What? He said, I was scared to death. He was what? The Apostle Paul. I was scared to death. The guy who knew more about the Old Testament than almost anybody on the planet besides the guy who taught him. The guy who was taught by Jesus personally after he had a, uh, an experience with him on the road to Damascus, and then after his eyes were opened and the scales came off, he was with Jesus personally, maybe not you know Jesus in the body, but Christ came to him and taught him personally. He felt scared to death. He felt inadequate. If you want the truth of it, and so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. So even though, no matter how scared I was, the message came through anyway. And here he goes, this is why. God's spirit and power did it. What? God's spirit and power did it, which made it clear that your life uh, of faith is a response to God's power and not some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. Wow. The smartest guy on the planet in Christianity wrote two-thirds of the New Testament was scared. But he realized when he tapped into the grace of God, which is God's power and ability, it was God's power and ability that led men to Christ. It wasn't the fancy words that he used. I mean, he could have been a country bumpkin. He could have been whatever. He was able to reach people not because of the words he used. He was able to reach people because as he was speaking those words, the power of grace through Christ Jesus was coming through him and going into the ears of people, and they were responding by the power of God. So when you speak words, don't be scared. And if you get scared, remember, Paul was too. Just remember, it's not you, it's the power of God. So you need to invite people to a place where the Spirit of God is at, and, and His power is at work. Share your story with them. Invite them to an encounter with God 
and the main reason why people uh, don't come to church is they have the wrong information. That's the main reason. If you ever talk to people about church, they'll tell you stuff that you know is not true, but you don't want to argue with them, right? You, you, so what you got to do is, is, is you have to be a little bit smart about it. Mark 8, 27 through 29, it says this, Jesus and his disciples went to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Wrong information. Others say Elijah. Wrong information. And still others, one of the prophets. Wrong information. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. You know, the majority of people and even the majority of people who come to church don't know that revelation. They have wrong information. Why? Because most people identify themselves as a Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Lutheran, and not as a believer. The sign that you have on the building that you go to is either going to blow off going up or burn off going down. That's your choice. Wrong information. See, most people don't know, and it's sad. And there's four basic pictures of God that people have, okay? The first one, they look at him as a locked gate. And what does that mean? They feel that they've sinned, because they sin, they can't come into the gate. They have all this guilt, all this shame, and, you know, and, you know, that's so unbiblical because the Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. So when they're saying that he's a locked gate, this is what they're saying, and this is in your notes, that the myth is God can't be reached. And so they think he's unattainable. There's people in church that go through that same emotion, that same fight every time they come to church. They think God's not listening to them because they sin. And the good news is that's not true. Acts 17, 27, in the message, it says he doesn't play hide-and-seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. Man, that's awesome. You know how other people look at God? The other myth, I mean, the other thing is they look at him like a pile of luggage. Yeah. See, he can save other people where they're at, but they can't save you where you're at. Well, you know, they can heal brother such and such, but he can't heal me. Really? So you're, so you're saying you're different than brother and sister such and such, that God looks at you differently. Yeah, because I've got all this baggage in my life, all that, I carry all this luggage, so, so he can't do that. He can help them, but he can't help me. Well, the myth to that is this, is God doesn't want them. See, how do you know that? Well, see, because this is what happens in life. In life is when people become uh, adopted or foster parents, usually a lot of times what happens is the parents have given them up, and so so deep down, these kids deal with a, an emotional struggle in their life that they have to break free of that their parents didn't want them. So what they think is they had too much luggage, too much stuff in their life that was causing their parents grief that caused them to be unlovable. And see, that's we go through this same thing, but Romans 5.8 in the New Living Translation says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when while we were sinners, while we were his enemy, while we were totally against him, while, while the world hated him, he sent Jesus. 
Man, that's awesome right there. You know what Jesus took care of? Did it? Did he take care of your tomorrows? Then why are you worrying about your sin today? Do you know we don't have a sin problem? We have a knowledge problem. But I sin. The more knowledge you have of your father and the more relationship you have with your father, the less sin you're going to have in your life. So you don't have to concentrate on your sin. You have to concentrate on your relationship. We have a knowledge problem. That's not in your notes. That was totally free. And others see God like this, an endless ladder. And what that is, is people have this works mentality. And so many churches have it. They have to pray. They have to read their Bibles. They have to tithe. And they have to serve. And what they do is they have, everybody say have, they have an Old Testament or an Old Covenant mentality. Because in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, with better promises, I don't have to do anything, any of those things. I get to. Hmm. Those are just opportunities for me to have God show up in my life. But in the Old Covenant, they didn't look at it that way. See, the closer that we get to God, the more those opportunities come up, the more that we get to do. Why? So that way God can show himself in a powerful way to the world. So what's the myth to this endless ladder? It requires a lot from you. But let me say this. This is in John. Ready? Chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. They asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe. To believe in the one who he has sent. That's the requirement. That's the work. Believe. Oh, pastor, but, but the Bible says faith without works is dead, being alone. You really have to understand that scripture and understand the word believe in the Greek because they did not have a word for not doing for someone who believed. Anybody who truly believed did. If you truly believed you were laying in bed and you, you heard noise and your fire alarm in the house was going off, you see smoke coming under the door in the bedroom, you, you open your curtain outside and you see the fire department like this putting water on your house. If you truly believed your house was on fire, you would not go back to sleep. Because there's no difference with someone who truly believes and someone who does. It's not that you have to do something. Now I want to do something. I don't have to get out of the house. I could stay there and burn up. I want to get out of the house. See, I don't have to pay tithes. I want to pay tithes. I don't have to pray. I want to pray. I don't have to read my Bible. I want to read my Bible. Why? Because I know by doing these things, it's going to cause me to get closer to God. Well, how does tithing cause you to get closer to God? It's trusting that what he says about finances is true. It's not doing it because he's twisting your arms, oh, you do this, or otherwise you're going to have every curse. No, because the Bible says that Jesus became the curse. So if Jesus became the curse, you're not going to get cursed if you don't tithe. That's, that, see, that's wrong information that churches give. I'll tell you what will happen if you don't tithe. It will show that you don't trust God, and you can't get the benefits from doing what God had said in the Word. That's all. It's not, he's not going to curse you. 
See, so many people tithe because they think they're going to get cursed. If that's the God we serve, then he's, he's schizophrenic because he's saying two different things. He's saying one thing in one covenant and another thing in another covenant, right? What he said was he said Jesus paid the price in full. And you know what, what that means? And this is what's so cool about how Jesus paid the price. I wish my credit card company paid the price the same way. Because every time something goes against your account, when you call on it, you don't even have to pay the price on it. You call on it, all of a sudden they say, oh, no, you're full. You don't owe us anything. I wish the credit card company would do that. But they don't. Jesus would be the perfect credit card. Hallelujah. What was that, Ben? Anyway, I can tell if somebody actually understands and has the concept of who God is by what they believe. If you feel in your heart, you don't have to tell anybody this, but if you feel you have to do something, you don't have the concept of who God is. But if you have the attitude and the concept that you get to do something, that it's just an opportunity that God's given you, you're getting a little bit more excited now. Get a little bit more pep in your step. A little bit more slide in your glide. A little bit more poop in your scoop, you know. I mean, you just get a little bit of something. You know what I'm saying, right? A more appropriate picture, and we'll close out with this group here of God, is this. It's a free gift doesn't cost you a thing. See, God wants to give you something you didn't deserve. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that is so awesome. See, as a church, what we need to do is we need to do this. We need to help people see. What do we need to help people see? The true picture. That should be in your notes, the true picture. Ephesians. 2, 8, 9, it says this, it's by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by what? By works. So nothing by what you do. All by what he did. Right? So that no one can boast. Because if you had something to do with it, you would boast about it. You, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lord, should I tell them this? You know, because there wasn't that many people here when I said this before. Um, have you ever heard the term that it's by the stripes of Jesus that you were healed? Okay. He's not talking about the Romans whipping him. So many churches preach that, but that's not what he's saying. What? Uh-oh, now i got everybody off. Yeah, good, pay attention to me. Because I'm going to teach you something. Because if the Romans had something to do with it, then the man could boast that they had something to do with a free gift from God. Okay, Pastor Rick, where you get the word stripe in the, stripes in the Greek means bruises. Go back to Isaiah where the scripture is. It says it pleased God to bruise him. So by the bruises that are, were put on Jesus by God were healed so no man can boast like I said wrong information how do you know pastor
study it out. When you start studying these things out and you start getting these things, then all of a sudden you start realizing that man had nothing to do with it. And that's awesome. But what about the Romans? What about just part of the process? Part of the physical human process that he had to go through. Our healing is not done by a physical human process. Our healing is done supernaturally in the spirit. So it had to be something that God did, not something that man did. Sickness and disease, the, the, the manifestation of it is, is in the physical realm, but the actual root of sickness and disease in the, is in the spiritual realm, in the supernatural. So if that's the case, then there had to be something supernatural that happened to cause sickness and disease to go because you have to kill it from the root and not the fruit. Makes a whole lot more sense. I'll, I'll actually, I'll end up teaching on that again, but I'll, I'll get into a lot more depth. Uh, hold me to it. Because I know some people, they go, oh, I've never heard that before. That's, that's okay. There's going to be probably a lot of things you've never heard before. And I still don't know everything. But I think I do. Until I realize that I don't know something, then I have to change. Okay. Scripture, the last scripture, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sin, so not having Jesus, pays some wages, just like your job pays wages, it's death. But if you accept Jesus as your Lord, he took those wages upon himself, and he died. He went to the grave. He came out of the grave, and what happened on the cross was not an atonement. There wasn't a cover-up. There was an exchange. On the cross, he became what we were so we could become who he is. See, when they, when they sacrificed doves and turtles and oxen stuff, that was an atonement, a covering. Jesus isn't the great cover-up. He's the Lamb of God who did what? Who took away, didn't cover it up, took away the sin of the world. Woo. I'm telling you, that's good right there. All right, where are we going to go now? We're going to pray. All heads bowed and all eyes bowed. Father, I thank you for being such a good God, a merciful God, a wonderful God a powerful God, a loving God. And Father, I pray that you touch the lives of people who are here in this place, people watching online. Holy Spirit, I ask that you touch their hearts. No guilt, conviction only. That we see what we're doing is not right. We have a change of mind, and because of that change of mind, we have a change of heart and a change of attitude, and we walk a different way. That is true repentance. But God, we can only do it through you. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you say, listen, Pastor Rick, man, I've been walking with God, but man, it's been a struggle, and I'm not where I want to be, and today I just want to make a fresh start and a fresh commitment with Him. If that's you on either one of those two accounts, let me see your hand. Anybody at all? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, you can put them down. It's like seven, eight. Put them down. Eight. 
Man, that's awesome. You know, God was tripping at one. He was, he was throwing a party at one. He's got eight who either said, look, I want Jesus the first time, or guess what? I want to rededicate my life, and I want to put my life back right, but check this out. You got another deal. Here it goes. We're going to pray together. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you mean this in your heart, <laughs> you get added to the eight. Because it's not about your hand. It's about your heart and your mouth. Having your heart and your mouth connected to the one true God. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, today I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Today I will not be the same in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me in Jesus' name.